we're talking today about home improvement. And you might do home improvements for lots of reasons. Maybe to increase the capacity of your hospitality or to prepare a new nursery or to increase the value of your home. But we all know that a big part of what makes a home a great place to live is the neighborhood. And when Christians talk about their neighborhood, we don't talk about good neighborhoods and bad neighborhoods. We talk about how can we love our neighbors. This is what Jesus taught us when he was asked, what's the most important commandment? He said, the, the first commandment is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this command is repeated in Leviticus and Matthew and Mark and Luke and Romans and Galatians and James. And if we are going to love our neighbors, love our neighborhood, this is my neighborhood right here we're walking around in. If we're going to love our neighbors, the whole neighborhood, we will have to learn how to address the racism and racial division that is still alive in our society. Uh, so today, what kind of while it's on all of our minds, let's spend some time with some friends of mine talking about some biblical strategies for how we can love our neighbors. This is Pai and Christina Mashayamunda. Uh, Pai grew up here at FCC. They've been friends of FCC for a long time, and I'm so glad they're joining me for this conversation. Pai and Christina are actually figuring out inside of their marriage how to love one another across racial and cultural difference. So I think they're the perfect people to teach us what the Bible says about how we can do the same. Thank you all so much for agreeing to walk around my neighborhood and be a part of this conversation with me. Now we've already talked and I want you to know uh, this isn't a conversation about uh, police brutality. We all know that if that happens to even one person, that is too much. And that when that kind of injustice happens, it is a great evil. And we hope that the systems of justice of our nation work to hold people accountable. Uh, this also isn't a sermon about riots. That too is a destructive force in our country and nobody here is pro-riots. Mm -hmm. This is a sermon though, about some of the strategies, uh, some of the commands that the Bible teaches us that will help us love all of our neighbors, especially when we're divided along race and culture. And I'm so glad uh, that you two are here with me to help me because we believe, we, we share something as we were talking about this, we actually believe the church can make a difference here. Yeah. We think the church could be a force of blessing, blessing. Like if we said, not just, I won't be racist. Okay, that's a great place to start. But if we went past that and said, we are gonna learn what the Bible teaches about how we can be anti-racists, work against the, the racial disunity and racial injustice with these biblical strategies. So let's jump in, y'all ready? Oh yeah. Okay, good. All right, Pi, you're gonna tell us about this first one, this first strategy of listening to and believing our neighbors. Definitely, listening to and believing our neighbors is so important. And James says this in James 1 verse 19. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness 
that God desires. Friends, it is so important that you listen to the stories and experiences of your black brothers and sisters. You know, Christy and I are different. I see the world in a different lens. I'm black, she's white. We, love, we both love the beach. She sits under the sun at the beach. I sit under the umbrella at the beach. But one thing I love about our relationship is we try our best to understand one another. As humans, it is our natural tendency to listen, to respond. But by God's grace, we need His Spirit to help us listen to understand. Listening to understand is one of the most important life skills that we can have in any relationship, whether it's with your friends, your parents, with other white people, with our black brothers and sisters, but especially cross-racially, this is a skill that we need to harbor in order to build stronger relationships. So, Pi and I have been together for over six years now, and we have really had to practice this skill of listening to understand, not only as husband and wife, but as a white woman married to a black man. When we started dating, I had this great idea for a date night where it was around Christmas time and I thought, hey, let's ding dong ditch our friends with some baked goods. Sounds like a perfect plan. It's a fun What could be wrong with that plan? Exactly, so fun. It's an anonymous way to bring some Christmas cheer. And so I suggested, let's make some Buckeyes, let's go to our friends' houses, ring the doorbell, drop the Buckeyes and run back to our car. Totally safe for me to do. Pi said, hey, while this is safe for you, this is actually dangerous for me. And at first I thought, why? We're just going to our friend's house. Our friends wouldn't care. But I had to practice listening to understand instead of just listening to respond. And Pi explained to me that there may be some preconceived notions that his the neighbors of our friends might have. And they might think that we were up to no good instead of up to some good. And so I listened to understand and I was able to gain insight into his perspective as a black man in America. As a white woman, it's important that I listen to understand and Pi has been so gracious in our relationship to explain why things are the way they are from his perspective. But as a white woman, it's also important that I balance that relationship with empirical resources. I cannot just rely on Pi to answer all my questions. Number one, he has his own experience. And so someone else might have a completely different opinion and experience on something based on how they grew up, where they live in the world, where they live in the country, things like that. So one thing that I have to take time to do, is I have to take time to learn for myself, to do the research and to look at TED Talks, read books, listen to podcasts, learn from other people who have also experienced a different lens Mm. than my husband has. One really great book to start, if you're interested in diving into this work of anti-racism, is to look at the book Race Gracism. That's with a G. With a G. Gracism. Gracism by (laughs) Dr. David Anderson. In this book, he provides a lot of great biblical and relational strategies as white Christians for us to help build those cross-racial relationships. I love that. And so really what you're saying is both relationally and with a little research, we need to strategically listen to people who are having experiences that are different than ours. Absolutely. And of course, this is exactly what the Bible teaches. 
that the first skill in loving the whole neighborhood is to listen to people, to listen well and believe them even when their experience is different than your own. All right, so the second skill, if we wanna love the neighborhood that we've been walking through here, is we need to mourn with those who mourn. Romans chapter 12, Paul writes to teach the church how to live a Christian life together. It's beautiful as he teaches us how to love each other like Jesus has loved us. And in the middle of Romans chapter 12, he says this, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Mm -hmm. Paul says, if you want to be in harmony with somebody, then when they're rejoicing, you got to rejoice. And when they're grieving, you need to grieve. And he says, this is the posture that we're challenged to adopt. And, and what I've figured out is, it's easy to grieve with someone when I share their grief, but it's really hard when I don't. Like, maybe you've done this, you, you greet a friend that you see out on the street with a big silly hello, and then you can tell that they're kind of sad about something. Because you didn't know that maybe a loved one had passed away or they've just lost their job. And so it was because you, you missed the opportunity to grieve with those who are grieving until you learn about your grief. And this can happen to us culturally as well, mm -hmm. that we become kind of blind to the grief of our black brothers and sisters who are hurting over something that maybe we didn't even know about or notice. And so after you've listened, that helps you know about their grief, then the next skill is to mourn with those who mourn. Uh, tell me a little bit, how has this skill of mourning with those who mourn been important for the two of you? Well, especially over the past two weeks, we have both been emotionally exhausted because we are both mourning. I'm mourning as a white woman married to a black man getting ready to have a son who will be perceived as black. But I'm also mourning with Pine on behalf of Pine, on behalf of my black brothers and sisters because I see their pain and I yeah. see how hurt and how trauma is really affecting an entire community yeah. in our country. And so for me, the way that I can mourn with those who mourn is I just hold space. Hmm. I hold space for that grief. I don't try to move to the fix-it category as quickly. Yeah. I listen to understand, but I also listen with empathy. And with that, it makes it so that I'm able to love my husband better and love my black brothers and sisters better. Yeah, yeah that's so important. You know, when we grieve a, a loved one or a life that's been lost, well, what do we do? Well, we get together, don't we, for a public funeral. We join with our grieving friends. And I bet you've done this. I bet you've gone to a funeral where you weren't grieving because you didn't know the person, but your friend was in grief. And so you went with them to grieve with those who are grieving. And when there's a great injustice, like uh, the killing of George Floyd, uh, people grieve. That's what the prayer vigils and the, the peaceful marches are about. They're a time of public lament and sorrow over injustice. I mean, is there anger too? Well, yes, there is. But there's often anger at a funeral, isn't there? Why, God, did you let this happen? 
But at the heart of these public events is grief. And the Bible says what we do when we see our brothers and sisters grieving is to go and grieve with them. Pi, we've talked together about how useful it is when people show up for these kinds of things. Uh, tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, like Christina said, the recent events have been so hard for me as a black man. You know, the prayer virgils, the peaceful marches are not a place for me to cause violence, but it was a place for me to grieve with my brothers and sisters. I'm reminded of Psalms 23. Mm -hmm. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. As a black man, I know that Jesus is with me. We know that. We know he's, his rod and his staff, they comfort us. But one thing that we ask as black community is that our white brothers and sisters join us in the valley. Join us to cry, to mourn. You don't have to have the solution like Christina said, but the mere fact that you show up shows me that you care. I'm reminded that I had a few friends that actually showed up. I was planning to go to a prayer vigil by myself with my wife and I had friends show up and that meant the world to me. They didn't have to have the answer, but I knew in that moment that I was loved. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear you say that because that is something we can do. If you're wondering what you can do, you can grieve with those who are grieving. It's such an important biblical practice. Uh, I, the last week, I think I've gone to three prayer vigils and two or three of the marches. And what I have seen there is grief and anger and chanting. But with that, I've seen conversation and understanding and communication. I got to march for about three hours alongside the mayor and the police chief and about 400 grieving young people who are concerned about injustice in their society. And it was so powerful because in that shared space, we didn't get stuck in our grief, but we started with mourning with those who mourn. And then all of a sudden we started having conversations and listening. I do just want to say, church, you can be proud of our city. Yeah. Things are not perfect here. I'm not saying that. I'm sure there have been plenty of mistakes that have been made, but I've been downtown a lot this last week. And alongside the grief and anger and chance, I have seen real reconciliation happen I have seen protesters sitting down with police captains and mayors and police chiefs talking about how to make our city better, how to make our city a more just and equal place for all. And if they can do it out at the protest line, then church, we can do it too. We can become exceptional at listening to the stories of those who have a different experience than we do and believing them and then mourning when they are in mourning. Okay, Pi, one more skill. What is this third skill that we need to learn so we can really love the whole neighborhood? The third skill is working for the true peace of justice. The Bible calls this shalom. You see, shalom isn't just the absence of conflict, absence of war, but it's the presence of divine justice, peace, wholeness. And that, as Christians, is what we're supposed to be working towards true shalom in our neighborhoods, yeah. true shalom in our families. And I believe with shalom in our hearts that we can work for true justice for all of humanity. Yeah, we were talking about Isaiah 56 where God says that part of the salvation God wants to bring mm -hmm. is 
to establish God's justice. That part of salvation is the establish of God's perfect justice for all people. I love this call to shalom. Uh, I'm always challenged um, by the words of Dr. King. Uh, he wrote the now famous letter from the Birmingham jail, and I've always kind of been convicted by it. In that letter, he kind of criticizes what he names the white moderate. And that's always been a little hard for me because that's probably me. I'm, I'm probably the white moderate. But he says he criticizes the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, wow. who prefers a negative peace where kind of nobody acts up to a positive peace where we really work for justice for all people. And I think that's what you're talking about, is this sense, that that's what King was talking about, yeah. is that God is working for shalom. And that Christians shouldn't try to preserve a situation in which there's justice for some, but not for others. Because if there's injustice for one, there's injustice for all. Yeah. Instead, Christians, we partner with God to work for real shalom. And we'll know we've got it because then God's justice will be accomplished through Jesus Christ and God's kingdom will reign over everybody. Yes, Pastor Ethan, I love that because like you said, God is working towards that shalom. He is working towards that peace. And as partners with God, we also work towards shalom. Yeah. As we try to love our neighbors, we seek that shalom and that peace. You know, in the book of Micah, the Israelites are rife in their idolatry yeah. and the Lord is angry with them and the Israelites say well what do you want from us do you want this elaborate worship service and the Lord says through the prophet Micah no I want you oh human oh mere man oh mortal to love justice seek mercy and to walk humbly with God yeah that is gorgeous love justice seek mercy walk humbly with God. In our situation today, that's what the church is called to do, to work for true shalom and peace, to not be satisfied if there's injustice anywhere in our city or state or nation. Listen, I know it's a long journey. Uh, racial bias is hard to discover even in our own hearts and especially in our whole nation. But these three biblical skills, this is how we get started. I look around all these houses. This is my neighborhood we're in. I don't know what's going on in every house. If I'm gonna love my neighbors, I'll have to start by listening, won't I? To hear what their experiences are like, what their needs and fears and hopes and dreams are. And then as I, as I learn what's going on, I'll have to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And then, starting with my house, and then my block, and then my neighborhood, I'll have to act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly. And that's what you get to do too. And I really believe if the church did that, we could make a difference. We could become agents of anti-racism in the world and people would wonder why did things get better and they would say because the church loved their neighbor that's why things got better amen so church let's pray together and then let's get busy loving our neighbors 
and loving our whole neighborhood. Won't you pray with me now? God, thank you that you have loved us. I thank you, God, for your love on, the, on, on my home and the people who live there, on my neighbors, the ones I know and the ones I don't, every house we've walked by just now. I thank you for your love for my city and my state and my nation and for the whole world. And God, we do pray with you that your kingdom would come and your will be done, that your true shalom would be established here that there would be justice and mercy for everyone, God. We pray right now for peace in our nation, which is torn apart, God. We pray that your church would stop right now to listen, slow to anger, quick to listen. We pray, God, that we would mourn with those who are grieving. And then we would pray that from our grieving, we would rise up and work with you and your son, Jesus Christ, for true shalom in this neighborhood and every neighborhood around the globe. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.